It's always weird not to start the show with a singing. To me, it is. It's always weird. Do you want to sing? I, no, no. I don't want to sing. <laughs> Everyone's always asking when they return, they have to sing. No, no, guys. Guys, welcome to back. It's always good to have you guys back in the, in the, the studio. And we've got a friend. <laughs> Someone that's traveled across the country to come here, which is great. Thank you so much. I am happy to be here. It's good to finally meet you in person. Yeah. So yes. we're so glad that you're, you're going to be part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Which I think is an important one, and I think that you, who did you reach out to first? When Angelo and I connected first, and then we had a conversation about it and met on Zoom, and uh, just kind of went from there. Are you all of you guys spending more time on LinkedIn these days as a social platform, primarily? I I am okay. I'm yeah. just gauging yeah. it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Corley, same thing. Mine's mostly Instagram right now, and figuring out LinkedIn. It's, it's it a different. It depends on your target market. You feed like it. I, that's yeah. all it is. You just feed it, yeah. I think and you see who comes. I think yeah. that's what. And then you then you figure out where to spend your resources, mm-hmm. like depending on your business, right? Like Instagram, a lot of my followers are tradespeople, mm-hmm. so you know that's the kind of content they like. And that's kind of what you feed them. If you're doing more professional stuff, I find LinkedIn's the way to go. But there's pros and cons to each. Like LinkedIn is great, but I feel like everybody just always agrees because your name's there, your company's mm-hmm. there, and you bring up an issue. It's like yes, we have to fix this. But on Instagram, people hide behind a picture of Donald Trump and a fake handle like Thundercock69, who was one guy who was actually trolling me. Best, best username I've ever heard. <laughs> but you get the real, get the real goods, what is man. He, Thor's brother? Possibly. Like, Possibly. But I find LinkedIn is more stimulating conversation or stimulating comments. I think they're justified. Unless you guys can know. You get some haters out there? No, not you haters. I just ca- Captain Obvious. I don't... Um, an echo chamber yeah it is an echo, it's an echo chamber. Chamber. I, that's the yeah. perfect def- definition yes. of it okay so just a lot you know i, I refer to it as, as captain obvious they just say or post things that are just so fucking obvious like dig a little bit deeper you know mm-hmm. show me some authentic stuff i just i i i, I want to bring it up because the thing is we're trying to figure out how people talk about what we're about to talk mm-hmm. about and what we've t- spoken on other previous tnt shows mm-hmm. and even on this show in general um but who else is doing things? Like nobody's, everyone's just a spectator. Like you were just saying off mic, right? Whereas like the most of the people are just being spectators about it. And they may be, it's almost like that idea of like, you see a post, it's a very sad post or something dramatic is happening mm-hmm. in the world and you like it. And that's the extent of your contribution mm-hmm. where I think we want as part of this show to have more engagement. We want people to actually speak up and take the chance of speaking out. Mm-hmm. And I think what's showing up, whether you're on LinkedIn or on Instagram is like polar polar existence of exactly you know singing to the choir type of thing on linkedin and then the opposite coming out on instagram like where's the middle ground where um you know where the solutions exist Mm -hmm. that's that's i think where we need to to get to and i mean we're having i'll be honest we're having a difficult time finding solutions Mm -hmm. because i don't think we have all the solutions but at least we're discussing it and i think solutions will come from it whether it takes a month or two or even a year they will eventually come but i think we're starting the dialogue and that's why i think it's important to continue these these particular shows that's where it starts with and we talked about last time too but i think the whole world in general but and construction might be a little bit behind but we're in an awareness phase especially with this mental health stuff. Yeah. And we're acknowledging now that there are issues. We went over the stats in the last show and like they're, it's staggering the amount of people struggling with this stuff. But I don't think a lot of people know what to do with those situations and that information. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about it later too, but there was a study I came across out of the States and it basically 
you know, they've spent a year or two doing research on root causes, like you mentioned, like what are causing these issues in construction. And even after that period of time, they say it's not really, it's very difficult to define what the issue is. So how do you solve a problem you know exists, but you don't know what the cause is right now? So it's, it's sorry, just mm-hmm. to finish off that point, if I keep rambling, <laughs> it's important to have the conversations because you have to shed enough light on it to keep the attention on it, to dig down and, and have those difficult conversations, get uncomfortable, and we got to figure it out. So sorry, let's, John, let's just, sorry, let's no, no, pump apologies. the brakes a little bit. Let's introduce everybody. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Sinelli, happy to be back. You can uh, follow me, www.jonathansinelli.com. Telephone number 416-717-4139. That is tremendously important for me to share. That's me holistically saying, I'm here, I'm available. Mm. So thanks for having me back. Welcome. Uh, Angelo Santri's human side of construction, um, just a dude trying to improve the construction industry. Follow me on Instagram at uh, human side of construction and on LinkedIn. Not going in order. <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh, Come on man. now. No, I appreciate that. Um, Coralie Beattie, Thrive HQ. I do training, coaching, consulting for the construction industry. Uh, you can reach me. Coralie Beattie on all platforms. I'm one of one. I'm easy to find. I love that. My name is Gianluca Pascale. I'm the head curator of the Constructors Guild. Pleasure to be here once again this afternoon uh, to share insight, knowledge, and wisdom. And you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Gianluca Pascale or constructorsguild.com. Thank you, Manny. Good. Thanks. Now everybody knows everybody. We're all good. We're all going to have fun and just, we're going to talk. So where do you want to begin? Like, where do we want to start? Well, no, we were kind of chatting before, like last time we went over the numbers and we kind of presented the case and how, uh, and generating some awareness into how big the problem is. So now that we know a problem exists, maybe we can dive into some details and I'll pose a question to the group. You know, what are, knowing that people are struggling, a lot of people are struggling, what would be barriers from them reaching out to get help, specifically in the construction industry? Stigmas. Fear, the first thing that shows up for me is the stigma, the fear of like, I'm not reaching out, not me. Fear of what? Oh, fear. uh, Judgment. Yeah, judgment or... From others. Okay, so I mean, let's... let's Even fear of retribution. Listen, but but, but look at at the construction industry traditionally, right? Suck it up, buttercup, you gotta be tough, you gotta be a man, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, now we've made inroads as far as diversity on site, yes. But the question becomes, how far, how many inroads have we actually made from a mental, emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. And does that stigmatism still exist? We're here because we know the answer, right? What about you guys? What's the first thing that pops in your head? It's the masculine environment that I think stops people from... They, they think that if they reach out, it's a sign of weakness. And the construction industry is not a place for weakness. How do we balance that reaching out and still keeping our masculinity? <laughs> from my perspective, it's a, it's a leadership thing where you need to be able to create an environment where people feel safe to speak out, to have the conversations openly and not pinpointing people say, how are things going with you necessarily, but just as an environment where we talk about these things. So, you know, in your morning huddles, it's just a touch point. You know, it just, I think it's something that needs to be presented often and always. And just so people start to understand that maybe this is a safe place. Maybe I can, because I think it takes a lot of repetition and a lot of observing to really feel as though that environment is one that you feel safe to speak about it. And then you kind of maybe talk to a colleague that you feel comfortable with. Like I th- it's a long 
path to comfort for sure. Am I fair to say, like, sorry, um, we recently had BCCSA on the show, right? Mm. Safety out of British Columbia there. And I got the sense that you guys are probably doing a little bit better than us here in Ontario. But I don't know if that's a fair assessment because of the population Mm. numbers, right? Obviously, we have more people in construction here than versus you guys there. So I get the sense that you're doing better on that communication side of things. We have some great programs. There's one that's called... um, more than a bystander that is a um it's a program that is delivered to typically men leaders um in the industry to help them understand and it's actually i think it was originally developed um by or through the bc lions okay and and with in conjunction with bcc which is the bc center for women in trades and they provide this training to help people understand the um the experience of women or um, we'll say underrepresented individuals within the industry. And it's, it's education. And people come out of that having no idea, like they had no idea that this is what the condition was of, you know, our experience. So it's, um, it's a starting point for sure. Are women having the same problems that men are having trying to communicate and open this up and having this conversation? Yes, same but different. Okay. Absolutely. So is that, do you think, sorry to interrupt, no, and thanks for sharing all that. Do you think it's because they're trying to fit into the, they have to the norm of in. the construction site? You know what yeah. I mean? Mm. Or is it that men and women are equally affected by the barriers to seeking help? I, I would guess it's the former, being that they're trying to fit into the macho, I think uh, that's tough st- world of construction. I think that's the starting point. Mm. Right from the beginning of us coming into the industry, it's, you know, we feel as though we need to have this guard up and we need to be strong, we need to be masculine, we need to fit in with There's what's around us. There's an expectation, yeah. It, but I think that expectation is put on ourselves. Mm. Like, it's like, we feel as though we need to do this. Okay. Who's taught them that, though? Why do we feel we need to do that? I've never, in, in the day, any day of construction that I've ever had, I've never thought to Popeye pump my fist mentality. Not once, I never had to do that. Mm. I never roll down the job site that way. But I'm coming from a different world that you guys are in, right? Where you guys are more high-rise commercial, big companies, things like that. I'm on a custom, small, small crew, 20 people at the max, not always at the same time. But I never had to be like big man on mm. hill mentality. I never had to do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who's teaching the people that this is how you should be. <laughs> yeah. Where's that? Where's that? Is that just like the stereotype? They're watching a cartoon and... They see that that's what they represent. When we see a bulldog and a Looney Tunes, it's a huge chest and tiny legs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is that, it's just society's taught us that, that that's how we should be on site? Yeah. Really? Well, listen, it's one, there's, there's a conversation that happens and then there's a door that closes and then it's like, you got to be harder on that person. You got to be a jerk. You mm-hmm. got to show up. And that, think of, think of the, we live in a tiered society right so top-down mentality developer is saying you gotta be a hard ass on this guy because you're gonna screw you it's that who's gonna get screwed first mentality so that's where that comes from right from what i've seen and like feedback i've gotten it's interesting with social media right like when i started posting it was just whatever came to mind i was having fun but now i like to throw things out as little experiments sure and you see what people comment you see what people like a lot of comments i get are with respect to like the site supervision level so I don't think it's like straight across the board, like all the worker bees have this mentality. Definitely foremen, foreperson, whatever you want to call them, maybe site supers, definitely are that atypical alpha male, yell, scream, get stuff done. Because I think that has been historically what's worked and what's driven the industry, driving productivity through like physical stuff. And 
hopefully the industry, I think it is, it's changing a little bit more towards like, you know, the company you mentioned before and, uh, and everything. So I wouldn't say everybody's expected to be up to that standard, but definitely supervision. I think there's a bit of an expectation that's being perpetuated. From my, well, it's see. a leadership style. Mm-hmm. It's a very authoritarian, mm-hmm. fear-based leadership. And the people that are coming into our industry do not respond well to that form of leadership. No. And I think that that's where the disconnect is, especially now, mm-hmm. and why we're not getting more people in. It's just that still exists. The mm-hmm. leaders are still yelling to get there. I mean, my son, who's uh, just turned 18, is on a com- big commercial site, he, and he's a HVAC tech. And he comes home every day, and, I'm, and I just talk to him, like, so what happened today? And it, it is the same thing. And his... his uh, four person with, is not old. He's not yeah. a 45 or 50 year old guy. He's like in his late twenties. So this is not something that is growing out of the industry. This mm. is something that's still continuing to come into the industry and where we hope that, you know, the old generation is moving out and the new generation will be, you know, enlightened and bring something new and fresh. I don't think that that's where we're headed right now. Well, it's being squashed, like, it's unfortunately, squashed. and like what, uh, and the first thing that came to mind as you were saying that is you'd have, and we're getting into a bit of a different conversation around a generational divide now, but maybe it's part and parcel of the same thing. But a lot of what you get from the older, more experienced people is all these young kids, they're so entitled and they're mm. entitled pricks and they just want to be on their phone. It's like, don't confuse entitlement with not putting up with bullshit mm. anymore. Yes. Like, fine. This generation, younger generations might have it easier with access to information, instant gratification, all that stuff. But... You can't be a dick to people anymore because they're not going to put up with it. Well, they're going to come. They might come. Same with women too. If you don't have the system for people to come in and thrive, different types of people, diverse and inclusion, all that stuff. If you don't set up the system to adopt them, they're going to come because, oh yeah, you go into construction, you can make good money. But they're going to get there and realize like, what the fuck is this? This is what they told me about. And they're yeah. going to leave. But are you oh, a bad God. person or a good person the way we grew up? Like... What, I don't off bad, the bike, I don't, what, scrape your knee, you survived. I don't need to bubble wrap the bike. Maybe mm. it's not a right or wrong. Maybe it's an and conversation. I'm wondering if it's a fear of like the management worried if we coddle, production won't move forward. But mm. then the younger generation doesn't want to be yelled at. Otherwise, production won't move forward. I don't For, think anybody wants to be yelled at. Nobody wants to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. You know, some of what's happening right yelled now. Yelled at and razzing are two different things. <clears throat> Listen. A bit of razzing never killed anybody. That's so what let's I'm, just that's that what I'm trying aside. to get at. We all been but, razzed. But but as it relates to how the, the 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 construction industry is where it is today, it's multifaceted. And another one that feeds it is how the clients, our clients to the industry, treat us in return. You know, and that shit flows downhill, right? Yeah, of course it does. So yeah. their unrealistic demands and expectations turns into aggravation, turns into stress. And what do people do when 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 their uh, when their back is, is up against the wall? Some of them squawk, mm-hmm. you know. And, you and mind you, they they don't have a filter by then because they've got so much pressure, and they unload onto whoever's in front of them. I'm not saying that I'm excusing it. It's just it needs to be understood. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying that anybody. Here's another thing: is that we mentioned, and I I can't even paraphrase uh, earlier when we first started that we feel there's a feeling that the industry has a, a, a level of max masculinity that prevents people from embracing uh, mental health or mental illness. Um, there may be, I'm not saying there isn't, but how can we explain 
women having trouble with the same thing and, at and attempting suicide four times more. And I don't want to get to the stats, but it's just to, to, mm -hmm. to prove my point. They attempt suicide more, four times more. Do women do? Yeah, four times more mm -hmm. than men. So it, it points to the fact that they too suffer from the ability to openly come out and say, I have a problem. I'm dealing with a lot right now and I need help. I think that is universal. To, to pinpoint it on one side or the other is unfair. Everybody struggles. It doesn't discriminate. Rich, poor, black, white, man, woman, like everybody yeah. experiences the same issues. But it's the overall stigma against mental health. As I know growing up, like now there's a lot more conversations on the topic, but growing up when I was a kid and you, you, you use the word crazy, oh, you're crazy, mm -hmm. that's a crazy person. So there was like, quote unquote, normal. Then there was a person in a straitjacket jacket in a hospital being medicated. And there was nothing in between. Mm -hmm. You were either crazy or not. And you didn't want to be associated with that person. So you hit it and you built up these barriers and these walls and felt safe hiding all your shit. Mm -hmm. And quote unquote, normal. There's no fucking normal, guys. <laughs> that's the thing we all have to appreciate and realize is everybody's got a different experience everybody brings their own baggage whether it's to site or home to the bar and it's finding a way to work with that now you can't treat everybody as a snowflake and bubble wrap everything and every spend your day being like jonathan how are you are you okay well john luca <laughs> how about you buddy are you doing okay not bad okay good <laughs> Coralie, you know what i mean but there's somewhere in between where we just got to be and i think it comes down to empathy and compassion empathy too. but is yeah. management noticing that people are suppressing all this stuff? Well, I think there's a disconnect between site and the office. And it needs to be established at a level where the people on site understand that it's a priority. But what they understand is a priority is production, getting things done. And, you know, that's when the hammer comes down because they feel the pressure to get things done. It does, the mental health on the site where you're going to see it is not a priority. So even if at the office they're like, oh, we really care about this, that's not what's being transferred. That's not what's being understood when they're on site. It's no, we need to get the project done. No, if I could jump and show up for the day because they took a mental health day. Yeah. One out of 100 people. Yeah, that shows, yeah. That shows very different. But our business is quantifying these losses. Mm. Because if they're just about the focus of the, the profit and moving forward and getting the project completed, and you've got tradespeople that have mental health issues and there's things going on in their lives that are affecting their productivity... Why aren't they quantifying those losses? Mm. Because those are losses. If someone goes down, material goes down, materials defaulted or not delivered, or that's all quantified on a yeah. job site. Why aren't they factoring in or the if human? There's a, if there's a physical injury, that's documented. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lost but time. But the mental's never. No. But it actually grows and grows and grows, and they most people suppress. It, Based it, on what we know, they suppress, and then they don't talk to anybody because it, of it, the fears that we just opened the show And it impacts other people, too. So I would argue that a mental illness have has a bigger impact on a job site sure. than a physical illness mm. or ailment. I'd say, yeah, for sure. Because if you get hurt, you get sent home. If you cut your finger, you need first Everybody wishes they break going. instead but, of sprain. But with <laughs> yeah, but with mental health... You could be a huge asshole to everybody, and it's because you, you're not coping with what's going on in your yeah. life. you got problems with your wife. you got financial issues. So you come to work, and you yell at people, and you slow them down, and you bog them down, and you complain. And, and it, I bet you, if you did the data, it would have a bigger impact. They well, didn't, didn't, I was just going to say, didn't, wasn't that part of the stats that you shared last time? Was the, when you were talking about the, um, the billions KMH. of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the cost to, for the healthcare system. To the right yeah, it's like billions, like 51 mm -hmm. billion to support people with mental illness across the board in mm -hmm. Canada. But I don't know if there's any data specific to 
mental illness in construction impacting job sites. Well, because it but flows, I, but it flows together, right? Because the mental disconnect, the mental illness, flows into a um, a distraction, which causes a physical site injury, and then that's quantifiable. Mm -hmm. oh, right. That person got hurt because they, you know. But it, it'll never be associated. <laughs> but it never goes back. But the reality but is, they, they would have never got hurt if they, they weren't can't. distracted because they weren't suffering here. They can't do it because they don't want that number. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't want to know that number. One thing I wanted to, if we I quickly just rewind quickly and piggyback on with something that Coralie shared earlier, there is without a doubt, and I'd love to see what uh, hear whatever everybody else has to say about this, a disconnect between what happens on site and what happens in the office. It has mm -hmm. been my experience, uh, be it firsthand or by stories that the people in the office don't really understand or know exactly what's going on on site. Uh, it's just a matter of, fl uh, of information flow. It's one-sided. Very little is it ever just comes blinders? back it's up. just office oh, blinders? Blinders is definitely one of so them. So they come in, this I, is my duty, this is my scope, this is what I'm going to get done, paper-wise. I don't, I don't need to I don't know what's think it, I don't think it's blinders side. in the sense that they're a bad person, but I want to tie... No, no, no. no but I want to tie two things that you guys said together because you touched on the fact that owners, and I'm not picking on owners, but it starts there, right? The project, the conception. They come up with the budget. They come up with the schedule. And then they put these unrealistic schedules and budgets on the backs of contractors, GCs, if you want to call them that. And then the GC, and everybody just keeps pushing the risk down. Well, guess who can't push the risk down anymore? The site team. The workforce. So the guys yep. in the office, the guys and gals in the office making a decision, oh, we're slow, we got to take this job at a loss. Okay, Mr. Project Manager, here you go. See you later. There's a disconnect. How many electricians you need? 30. How many plumbers you need? 40. And it's resources to get a job done. It's not individuals doing, doing the work at that point. Am I talking crazy talk? No, no, <laughs> no. This is real. I mean, listen, part of the work that I do is, is performance coaching as well. And I was literally just working with an individual in his mid-30s, working for a developer in a, in a very prominent position, right? And his messaging was, you got to be harder on these guys. you got to show up as a dick, yeah. right? you got to play That was his solution? This was, no, from his boss, who was, oh. who was 10 years older than him, right? Who was Not, probably a huge dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, you have to play the mind games. You, you know, the whole objective is give a little bit of information, but not all the information. And, mm -hmm. and so him and I are working together in a, in a coaching relationship, and he's struggling with this, right? Because he's going like, what the fuck? This is not who I am, mm. right? Oh, it creates a conflict. And so this is one individual. This is, this is not unique to him. But is it because of a, a one-way street mentality? Like, I keep thinking about the upper management. Like, how much do I dive into this person's life? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to dive into my, my life, what, what's going on in my life, mm -hmm. what's going on with my wife, my kids. Ma my maybe that they have that. There's definitely a possibility that that's happening. But maybe that they have that thought process or mindset because nobody's asking them about them. Right. What are you struggling with? But they're they being may be asked struggling to more address than the these other people right. about the, their issues. But what I'm saying is that if let's pretend I'm this, this middle management. And, I, and I'm charged with or asked to look into or maybe come across that there's one or more people that work for me that directly report to me that is having a problem and somehow uh, uh, management, uh, my management is asking me to look into it. Maybe I'm putting up a fuss because nobody's asking me what I'm struggling with. Maybe I'm yeah, handling I, more. I think it could be. Right? Oh, it's it's multifaceted. Like, you can dissect this until the, <laughs> the cows come it's home. so complicated. That's, that's the problem. Sorry. I was, I was just going to share my experience with me learning as a, an employer what it was like because I'm from the generation where you are happy to have a job, you are grateful for having a job, and you go to work and you get paid, and that's, that's what you do. Why do I have to coddle you and appreciate you? And That's where I came from when I started my business in the early 2000s. And then I realized when 
I got over myself and what I thought they should need and actually started giving them what they needed. In other words, they just needed a, hey, how are you doing? And the reason I say this is because this is the construction industry. This is the mentality of the construction industry forever. And we're always slow to pick up change. We're always slow to do things differently. So I think it is the industry on a whole that we have that mentality that is, our people are here to do the work. Why should I ask them how their weekend was or how their wife was or how their kids are? You know, that's not what the construction industry is. And it is. Like, those are the people. Those are the people that are coming in. They need those conversations. Whether we like it or not, and when I say we, I mean, I used to be like that. I changed. And when I realized to give them what they need, all of a sudden the relationship with my people completely changed. Mm -hmm. And it was me being able to connect with them because I took down my own barrier. And I think that that is an awareness that we need to share with leaders to say, it is starting with you. You are the one that's responsible to have the conversations, to start the conversations. Say that to, you know, leader to whoever is your direct report, and then just model that all the way down. Yeah. So if we take that and take it a, 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 a step prior, is to teach them, tell me if, the, if I'm hitting the mark, to teach them that they are their best and most valuable investment. They themselves. Because so the, the person, whoever, whether it's management, uh, whether it's a site super, if the individual takes care of themselves first, evidently you're going to be able to take care of everybody else, right? But we're being well, told that they don't want to do that. They want well, to yeah, because there's, really? there's, there's, well, there's, well, a there, there's the outpour of, I need help, so I need to... Mm, that whole thing that when you fill somebody else's bucket, your own bucket gets filled, but when your bucket is empty, you can't. You don't have anything to give to other mm-hmm. people, and you're always concerned about number sure. one. Take care of the passengers beside you on the plane first. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of... Right, but you're supposed to take care of yourself first, and then the passenger. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, if, I, I guess my and I agree with you, Corey. Where it's like construction is like a turtle, two hundred year old turtle. It moves so, but mm-hmm. at some point in this industry, you're gonna wipe clean everybody that's causing all the problems that are today. The question is, are they gonna be replaced by younger people and become them? Well, they, at they this are. point, I yes. <laughs> because saying. I think of I the think. the Razzie and I think of the negativity that's being poured on them that they're just inevitably going to become that person. It's being perpetuated for sure. Yes. And that's the feedback I've gotten from a lot of people is that it, this is how it was for me, so this is how it's going to be for you. But is it a good thing to mentality. wipe it all clean and start fresh? I don't think you can throw the baby out with the bathwater, man. There's no. a lot of good things about construction. Inherently, it's tough. It's stressful. You need a certain level of toughness, mental and even physical too, for certain aspects. It's a demanding It's not for industry. the faint-hearted. Yes, for sure. So which, which leads me to a question. If we wipe out the industry, just on what Maddie uh, was sharing with us, if we wipe out the industry, we're not wiping out or teaching or, or, or resetting the people that require our services. So there's problems that come from that side. We covered it earlier, you know, the demands and expectations of, of, of our clients that are dumped upon us. If we just reset the industry, but we don't reset the sources. Well, no, that, that's not the solution. I think that's going to make things worse. Of what? the industry in general if you wipe out everything that you think is a negative and not contributing to the industry i think you're going to get an industry force that's going to be worse than what's i don't think right anything now. is going to get done no i think you need it <laughs> that's where i'm going you need, the, you need some ne- you need the negative, the negative that's dr- what i mean force. how do yeah. you how do you build yourself how do we get stronger you get stronger by faults by failures by yeah. problems and solving continuous improvement well, lord knows it, we we know how to make a lot of mistakes in the construction industry but yes. are but are we learning from them? But it's the self-awareness. That's, the good, that's a good point. It's like the majority of the industry isn't learning from them. 
there's so much juice flowing right now. I'm I can't contain my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much shit going then through share, my mind. Just jump okay, in. Okay, well, I'm going to forget. No I already limit. forgot half the stuff here, Manny. <laughs> I want to go back to what you were saying because it ties it ties in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get comfortable. Bring a blanket. It comes back to what you were saying, and it ties into the whole human side of construction thing. Because the way the industry operates now, it's transactional. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, I did not, and I'm sure everybody here can agree. I did not get into the industry f- to fulfill the minimum obligations of a contract. No, mm. but that's what it's come to. Yeah, it's not about the building anymore. It's about the documentation, the piece mm. of paper, and cover your ass and change your this and this and that. And it's overwhelming. It, it, I feel like we've gotten away from. A little bit, maybe the old school of like handshake, let's figure it out. Yep, this isn't in my contract, but that's not in your contract. Let's put our heads together, solve a problem, instead of button heads and letting the lawyers collect all the money. And, in, and if you look at like basic psychology, I don't know all the details, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm-hmm. The basic, food, shelter, things to survive. Safety. The next level, social, yeah, social inclusion. Where's that in construction? It's very isolating. If anything, and, and we're stuck loaded. at the bottom. And you don't have that human connection. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of times guys are treated like animals on site with not even clean washrooms or hot well, water we've said to wash that. their They're hands. numbers. And they're replaced yeah. the next day if they, get, if they get injured. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah, sorry. I lost my train of thought there. But I just want to awareness. I love what you were doing. It's the self awareness. It, it starts with, with you as a human being, the self awareness, right? And that's what's missing because there's. There, there's this thing in construction, and it's like when I make it to the top, <sighs> I made it. Mm-hmm. Now I get to tag and tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, I flip the script and say, look at the elite athletes of the world. They don't make it to the top and then quit. They dig in harder. Mm-hmm. They get the right people around them. Uh, there's a lot of selfishness in that right? world, right? There's a lot. I think there's more selfishness in anybody that succeeds than there is not. You know what I mean? There's only, you hear far and few superstars athletes people that are giving back to where they came from no but they have the self-awareness to continually get better right for themselves so someone that yes that's what i mean is (laughs) that and now let's talk about building wise once you become a ceo or a big dog in the industry and you've built so many structures I think the majority of the industry keeps on having that huge ego and growing instead of giving back to the industry. Otherwise, we would see more CEOs going to the boots on the ground going, you know what, you guys are hugely valuable. We care about you guys. Well, you that's, a, that's a really good point. This it goes whole, to, to what yeah. you, you were saying too. And I think it comes down to greed, right? Like why are, people, why are people accepting these unrealistic schedules and contracts and stuff mm. and taking jobs at under cost what was, or whatever? Yes, that's what I was going to Greed, power, money. Yeah. That's it. And, it, and it's our own fault because that, that's what we've riddled ourselves to. We, we, we've uh, been conditioned to compete at the cost of opportunity, project, and wealth. And money. our people. Because our people suffer at the end. Like the, that's it. The, you know it, what I mean? Those are, those are our two wins is projects and money. Yeah. And if done properly, you know, you get to keep some of that money. But and nevertheless, uh, everything else that, need, that, that is required in order to achieve those successes all depends on the people, but we're not taking care of the people. So there's the biggest mm. drop that we have. Yeah. Why can't we do this? There was uh, John, John, a former uh, MOL inspector, was on the show recently, and he talked about out in BC, I think it was, you guys have this, we don't have it across the country, where if there's a situation, something happens and there's a lawsuit and the builder is, is at fault, they could either take this huge financial hit and years, possibly whatever the situation mm. is, 
or contribute back to the society, mm. to the industry. Mm. So it's like instead that, yeah. of being fined 250 grand, you're going to get fined 25 grand, but you have to allocate 100 hours of community service or educating the industry to be yeah. better. Powerful. Why can't we do that? So any builders that are building these structures and they're making all this money, dollar for dollar, goes back into mental health. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you know, I know I, it's a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. It'll never happen. He, here's a, you know? a crazy statement. I'm willing to say that given the opportunity to bring these good people that I know our industry has plenty of, some all the way from BC, right? And you bring all of these people into, into a room. I'm willing to say this following crazy statement that a lot of these answers that we're looking for reside in the people that work in our industry, that make up our industry. But somehow, it's not about geography, but somehow, even if we were all in the same place, we seem to be in, diff- in separate corners. We lack the ability of flocking together and being powerful together. Keyword here is together. So with that, collaboration is something that doesn't exist in our industry. For an industry that should be synonymous with collaboration, it's the farthest thing from it. Coralie is on a mission to help make construction the industry of first choice rather than the industry of last resort. After 25 years in the industry and successfully selling her trades business, Coralie is now a business consultant, speaker, and a trainer in construction. She shares her knowledge, experience, and expertise with women in trades and construction to build their business for greater profitability, flexibility, and freedom. Coralie also offers fractional COO services helping construction companies from the inside. Using the concepts from her book, Hiring Secrets for Trades and Construction, Coralie helps construction companies strengthen their leadership and build a company culture to reduce turnover and where people are loyal, engaged, and contribute to a growing bottom line. You can find Coralie at thrivehq.ca and also on IG under Coralie Beattie. Can Talking I, about I like overthrowing a government or something? Uh, <laughs> Let's wait more. till the end of this podcast <laughs> and I'll, I'll let go. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was just going to say, um, as the woman in the room, I'm going to be so bold as to say <coughs> it's because, as, <laughs> as the woman in the conversation, <laughs> um, I'll be b- so bold as to say, I think it is the fact that we have too many men leading our industry yeah. because they are run by ego and they don't excel yeah. in areas of connection and communication and empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we need. Mm-hmm. And we just don't have we have some enlightened men some are here in this room and that's not the representation out in the field are they not allowing the women to get to those positions on purpose mm. uh, that's a that's a whole other conversation it's a boys club i'm yeah. sorry I mean, yes i go yes. back to the turtle no, i would say is. yes i think they're not allowing the women to get into those positions. I, i've heard from women in the industry not a lot but some commenting saying i feel like i'm doing what i'm doing because i'm a woman at this project mm-hmm. manager level or like a man, like a manager of a department level, not actually having the authority and the power that that person would have, but just so that company can say they had a woman at, in management say, or we have 10 women and we have two black people and we have an Asian person. I'd rather see the work that's been completed as a result of 100%. this workforce 100%. from the top down yeah. instead of seeing the fact that there's X amount of women or X amount of minorities or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I'd love to just put a plug in real quick to, to all the women listening to this podcast. If you would kindly chime in and let us know, share some stories. If you're so, it's not about being bold, but if you're so open on sharing some stories as, as to what you are either currently going through or gone through it's important for everyone to learn from these experiences so if you're if you're so kind to, to be able to share with us I'd, i'm sure we'd all appreciate yeah, it of course when i after we sold our business six years ago i started on this path of just kind of digging into the industry and getting you know understanding women and how they were experiencing because i had it been like 
probably close to 20 years since I'd been on site. And I just wanted to see, you know, where things were at. And there was four things that came up that were the reasons why women were either considering leaving the industry or um, not liking it or have left the industry. And that is the first one is family obligations. Second one, and that goes for men and women. You can have single dads, single. Yeah. So it's not necessarily just a, a, a female challenge there. Uh, second thing is these toxic environments. Yes, <laughs> that goes, I think, for men and women as well, just different experiences. The other two, though, were one was um, not given the opportunities. So they would be like, you know, at a certain level and their male counterparts would be given the opportunity to say, you know, try new things and grow their experience and grow their skill set while the women it's just like no you can you know continue to sweep or can do continue to do the canning or continue to do that one skill that you've proven that you're good at mm -hmm. the and, photo ops yeah yes until mm -hmm. <laughs> so the point that you know they women feel as though they need to prove that they can do something where men just need to show up and show the potential or oh, a light bulb mm -hmm. just went off too i think sorry did i cut, cut you off and then the fourth thing quickly i'm is on fire today guys <laughs> the, and then the final thing was the lack of advancement the lack of opportunity for advance they're always looked yeah. overlooked for advancement right. so yeah. those two last ones kind of yeah. come into this conversation go ahead. real quick so, uh, sorry i'm gonna I, forget I, I actually write it down drop it no no go ahead <laughs> yeah um, I misunderstood the, f the third one and being lack of opportunities, but you, you finished with the same. What's so the, the third one no. is advancement is being overlooked. So in other words, you're not given the opportunity to promote. I, I guess. I the third one is more of um, you're not given the opportunity to expand your skill set until you prove yourself. I think also the upper management, the big boys are letting them grow career wise to a certain point. Mm. And just to make it look like mm -hmm. we're doing well and we're Check contributing. The Checking yeah. the box, yeah. But we're never going to let you into the top tier. That's the unfortunate yeah. part. So here, and I, the second point I want to touch on, and touches on that too, but I think this came up when we talked before, but uh, Andrea Jansen, I think she's in Colorado now, but she's mm. got a company, Ambition Theory, and they do specific training for women in construction leadership training. And they did a study. It was like hundreds of people she surveyed. I think it was a couple of years ago now. And she came up with this idea of the double bind where 48% of women or some, it was some high number are told that they need to be more authoritative at work. Mm. But the same percentage of p women are told that they're too bossy. So you're facing this kind of dilemma where it's like, you got to be more authoritative. You got to be a bigger, bitter dick. You got to be hard on people. Oh, but you're a woman that you come across <laughs> a little bit bossy. You might be a little bitchy. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Is that bullshit? Coming from the same source? Yeah. Well, it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can't, you can't say both things. I'm not doing any justice. Sorry, Andrea, if you're listening, but anyway, <laughs> that's just but you can't, you can't approach it that way. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, cause then what, what's that woman thinking? Like, okay, well, do I be more authoritative or do I be less authoritative? Cause authoritative and bossy are the same thing. And it's not mm -hmm. a balancing. I don't think it's a balancing to, yeah. to satisfy who's surveying you. Yeah. I don't think that's the solution either. Yeah. And sorry, the second thing that kind of touched on what you were uh, saying was, I'm, I'll be 40 this year, so I've got 20 years left in the industry. Oh, and I'm the oldest one. Right? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. So I got a long way to go. But I put, my, I put oh. myself in a, in, in a man's age, right? Like a, a business owner. The old boys club, the white guys running companies. What incentive is for them, because they're looking at the exit sign, what incentive would they have to change the way the industry's uh, been operated here's, here's, when it's been so easy and profitable and comfortable. Here's, here's the problem. This is the biggest problem that I have with the exit sign. They're looking at the exit sign and handing it off to another white guy. Mm. 
Yeah. Are they not? Mm-hmm. White guy. Mm-hmm. Not white woman, not minority, not anything. White. That's what that's what's being handed Wait, down. Are they not? It, this is this example is contingent on the story being that the company, the current company led by a white male is being handed over to someone else who is white not, and male, not, right? For me, it wasn't, yeah, sorry, cool. I, I'm saying uh, someone else that fits the upper management mold yep. is what I'm trying to get at. You know what, part, might, part of that might be the whole unconscious bias or availability bias because the people who have naturally gone up in the ranks have been those white guys like me, but which is ironic coming the from a guy like us. Well, this we're going back, back to what you said, yeah, where it's exactly. like women are not being given the opportunity. Exactly. I, so I get, get, get several women right away that, the last two points is, are they given the opportunities? The answer is hard no. They're no. not given the opportunities, no. right? So then what ha- they become suppressed. And then, you know, subconsciously, what happens? That that unfortunate female is just like, well, I'm just going to stay where I am and, you know, grow marginally where, where she could be here, which is not. Or right. leave. Or, le- or leave, right? Or leave. Do they leave the leave. industry and go to another industry or do they leave a different section of the industry? There, of all the w- of the very small number of women that actually start in the industry, seventy two percent do not complete their career in the industry. So they are they're the ones they're that are leaving. leaving they're leaving seventy two. That's that's a lot, that's and I'm sure it's a lot huge. less for men. Mm. Yeah, I like I've so. always questioned the leaving part. Yeah, but there's no way I, men. I'd are be 70. I'd be interested to finding out how recent is that number, if you don't mind me asking. Um, that's from I heard that stat. Last year, at a, on a panel discussion for 72. women, that's I, huge. Yeah. That is huge. So and, you know, and, it was the that, and that's a loss for the industry. Totally. At yeah. the same totally. token, I'd love to, to to find out what that number is for newcomers, meaning male or female, mm. because right now that's probably where we're picking a lot uh, of our talent from. Right? I think the newcomers are actually not fighting that bull, and they're growing their own growth. You know what I mean? Mm. They're they're building their own business. Yeah, this this is not a full time thing for them. No, 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 no. I don't mean it by that. They're coming into the construction industry, but they're seeing that they're being pushed down. They can't grow career wise because maybe they're a minority, or maybe they're an immigrant, or what have you. So then you start thinking, well, I'm going to start to just grow my own construction industry, which is going to invite everybody that I want to work with, mm-hmm. which is not really the the typical group. You know, I've heard that said a few times in in recent past about. Uh, the possibility that a lot of newcomers or youth are going to start their own companies, but with what experience? <laughs> I, I pity them. That's where the white people, nothing, that's the like thing. clean comes that's in, where it's yeah. like, that, I don't think it's really going to be better. But does no that fear. really help no, us? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I think it's going to make I think both need to work, but the problem is that the, what's going on now isn't willing to work with what's coming in. And I think they, yeah. they don't have any fear. Like they don't, they're not, they have a level of confidence that they can do anything. Yeah. And that used to like, I, it, oh, it drove me nuts mm-hmm. because this entitlement, this, that, that were my employees at the time. And then when I recognized, you know, this is actually a really valuable skill that they have because it gives them innovation. It gives them the confidence to do things, to push the boundaries, to grow and become what I or people of my mindset at the time weren't going to be doing because we weren't we weren't thinking like that it's to drive and i'll share a little quick story that i had a youngin working with me at one time he was with me for about a year and a half or so and then he felt that he's you know ego's big enough and i'll leave and i'll go on my own i'll do my own things and then some people were telling me what he was up to and i was like i don't care he left he burned that bridge i don't give a shit but as soon as he got to the point where he left what i was teaching him his business started falling apart mm-hmm. yeah 
So it's like you left before you got the experience. So that's why I go back to you need both. You need that drive from that person coming in hungry, but you need the old person that's going to educate them on what's going to happen later on in your business. Well, that, that touches on something we talk a lot about, John Luca, like mentorship and guidance. Because, you know, you take the traits, right? You have an apprenticeship for a reason because it takes four or five years to <laughs> learn. You have to put the hours and you have to make the mistakes because everybody's going to make mistakes. But ideally, it's in a controlled environment where you're under the care and control of a journey person or a, somebody who's experienced, you know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, totally. Like, that's comes back to the whole human element. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes But look mistakes. at all this shit that they're going, everybody in construction is going through. And then we have to compound mental health and issues. And then all of a sudden, now you get married and vices come in children happen and mortgage rates go through the roof and you know groceries and i think that that is something we all experience as human that's a that's a human condition and i think it's exacerbated in the construction industry because of the whole masculine environment yeah. where and i think that that is why we see so much issue in the industry is because i always bring it back to leadership our leadership is not it's not compassionate, sensitive, understanding, empathetic, all of yeah. those things enough to okay, be so able to, you know, manage what it is let, that the people need. Let's oh. keep let's keep pulling at that. Well, Sorry. Or, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just a quick thought on that, because I want to lean into what you're gonna say, but is that a combination of ignorance or lack of being equipped? Right? Both. It's I was both. gonna say it's a combination, and, I think. And yeah. A lot of third in there is the fact that um, and I, it was shared from somebody else it, it, most recently is that a lot of the people that are in this indu- currently in this industry more than likely on the older veteran side have been shit on for mm. so many years right. mm-hmm. just and completely well, shit they on they don't want to give back okay, so no yeah. so they're the sour that's the problem to, I have they to, don't want to give back and if you've gone through no, that all shit, of a sudden you, you, want should, to s- you should be giving back right yeah. and all the more reason them, why you should but to them it's like well this is how it was for me so this is how it's going to be yeah. for that's, you that you need so to break both, that both that's you, s- what both of you were saying and I'm going to go back to my question from before so put yourself in the shoes of this company owner who okay. came up through the ranks running a business like that making money like that building their career what incentive is for them to change the way they're operating to be more compassionate to be like turnover yeah people aren't coming in and they're losing people right like that that is a problem and it's only going to get worse in the next five, 10 years. And we keep talking about it mm-hmm. and there's no change. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen is they're going to continue to lose their people because I'm hopeful and there will be other employers that start to create an environment where people actually want to work. And those people who aren't making the changes that they need to change are going to lose their people and yeah. they're going to just be paying out, you know, so through that, turnover. That's a perfect yeah. example of good, good leadership. <laughs> but I'm, I may be stuck in the fact that Say I'm retiring in, t- in two, three, five years or whatever. Why am I going to spend all this time and this money and feel uncomfortable making it more accommodating for other people versus just kind of riding it out and letting it, let, you know what I mean? And perpetuating the cycle. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too cynical here, okay, guys. So it, co- it comes down to caring and compassion and empathy it's, for it's, other it's, people. It's, a, it's, it's human beings. Like at what point in time, as we, you got, we all know this, as you age, you have different thoughts. You have different realizations of life that it's not about me anymore. So what's the legacy you want to leave behind? You want to leave the industry and say, okay, you, you know, Jonathan did what he did when he was there, but nobody gave a shit when he left. Yeah. Or what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Mm-hmm. Like when you show up with, with empathy, care, realization that we're all human beings first, mm-hmm. it changes. Mm-hmm. But well, when you've made it, you don't care. 
Well, majority this is what, to, I think that's what, what I mean. John like, Lucas point. Sometimes you got to look in the damn mirror and say, holy shit, man. So what I would say too, because now we're talking about solutions, which is exciting and the impact of like addressing things, especially like mental health, but just connecting with people. I think I had it written down here somewhere. Give me one second. Okay. Benefits of increasing awareness and understanding and treating people like people. Higher performance. So if somebody, if you value somebody and they uh, see how they fit into the bigger picture, and you have that human connection, I would bet that they're going to perform better for you. They're going to go mm-hmm. the extra mile. 100%. They're going to work late. They're going to get the job done. Lower absenteeism. So if they're more happy, if they're healthier, they're not going to miss as much work. What happens when people miss work? You have a crew of 10 people, two don't show up. You can't uh, do as much as you plan to do that day. Lower presenteeism. So presenteeism was when you're physically there, but you're mentally checked out and you're basically useless. I've been there. Everybody probably has too. That's going to impact performance. Uh, Disability costs. I think we talked about this last time too, but it costs money when people go off. WSIB, short-term, long-term leave. All this stuff impacts the money. And when th- something you touched on, uh, Coralie, was attract and retaining talent. Because mm-hmm. people want to go where they're cared about. They want to go. And I think that's important now. Because you Google everything, right? If somebody's thinking about going to a company, first thing they're going to do is Google it. Oh, who sure. works there? Mm-hmm. What's this person talking about on social media? What's it, what are the values? You know what I mean? That stuff might not have been that important 10, 15 years ago when people just needed a job and that information wasn't available. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of benefits to focusing on this stuff. I'm not anti it. I'm totally for it. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. Is I'm still faulting the leadership. I am, but yeah. I'm also yeah. faulting the kids. Okay. How? Um, they're not speaking up. And I'll give you an example. <laughs> okay. Like you guys tell me of any construction relevant podcast that's being run by a young 20 something that's discussing mental health issues. Mm. I don't think that podcast exists. Mm. And for the, the good that I've been doing with this show, when I get approached by young people about starting their own podcast, it's never about mental health. It's about their specific trade or about the construction industry. They want to grow that. But they're not speaking up. Mm. I think it's We're here older in our 40s and 50s, and we're speaking up, and we're asking them. We're lending a hand, and we're asking them to speak up, but they're not speaking I up. I think it's because we've been through some shit, and they haven't Well, that's why we're sharing yet. it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just might not know. I didn't realize this. Is it because they don't want to go through this shit? I've heard what you've gone through. Yeah. I don't want to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because it's scary too. Yeah. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. But so it's made I, you a better person. It, it took me yeah. until... At what cost? I didn't do it a second <laughs> trip. It took me... Maybe I was a little slow. Maybe I'm a little slow to learn. But it took me until I was in my early 30s. And maybe that's because I didn't really experience true hardship until that point in my life. But at, it was when I, in my early 30s. I remember the moment like it was yesterday where I became self-aware enough to realize, like, I'm really fucked up. Coming to that realization. But I didn't feel too bad because I realized that everybody's fucked up Mm. and we're just dealing with our fucked upness in different ways. And a lot of people don't know how to deal with it. So you put on this front. Everything's okay. I'm posting pictures of my pasta. This is my cat. Mm. Everything's fine. My life is great. But But that's a mask. Totally. Totally. And, every, and a lot of we people are, are of suffering that, right? internally, pushing it down, not sharing it. But to, sorry, getting back to what you were saying. And I remember seeing a stat on KMH's website. I think the stat was by the time the average Canadian reaches 40, 50% of people will have experienced mental health. So like to your point, people are getting married later in life now. That brings in a whole different set of stressors. You have kids later on in life. So it might just not so be... So here's a question about leadership and also KMH as well. Have they... Are they actively telling people, get off social media? 
Hmm. I know because we know it's evil. Yeah, and it's perpetuating a lie what? regarding yeah. I'm asking. My life is amazing because this is where I've gone out. This is what I'm doing. This is the job site that I'm on. But it's it's literally just hiding what I'm really going through. But is is the conversation about leadership coming and going? Maybe you shouldn't be on social media and spending. Let me see your your time on your phone. Mm. Maybe you shouldn't be spending 26 hours a week on that phone for yeah. these apps, right? Yeah. That's is anybody point. talking about that? I bet you no. I, I can't you. wait. I'm telling you right now, we can't wait to the date that I, I Truman Show away from social media. I know for kids, there's studies out there and there's recommendations that kids don't go on social media until they're like 14 or 15. That's the parents telling that them that. You don't think kids are, okay. No, they are doing it anyways, but like the studies have shown that you're not developmentally to the point mm. where you can be exposed to the shit on social media until because you're so impressionable at a young age. I'm not It'll a parent, mess but I know that a lot of parents will not let their kids eat McDonald's. But then if the kids are hanging That's out right. with their friends and they happen to be by a drive-through, yes, well, they're, they're going to have McDonald's. Big Macs, That's, buddy. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> so that was they're me. consuming social media. Yeah. I think it's a conversation that parents need to have with their kids. It needs to, you know, acknowledge that this is part of their life. I've gone through this with my kids, and it is. I've struggled with it because I don't particularly appreciate or I never did appreciate social media. Um, I've been able to meet all of you people through social media. So for that, I am grateful and I'm learning to be grateful. However, I see what it does to people. I And that is what bothers me because I'm not a consumer of social media for exactly that reason. I'm very mindful not to you know, look at anything that is comparing myself to what other people are doing or anything like that. And I think it is a parent's responsibility to acknowledge my kids are going to be on it, even if I say no, and let's kind of coach them or guide them or help have the conversations. And I see, maybe I'm going to get in trouble for this. Um, oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> not on this show. Um, <laughs> I think parents are doing their best and it's lazy. I think that it takes a lot of work to um, have kids be mentally healthy and confident and have the self-esteem that they need to be able to go through that. So to give your kid free access to social media and not give them any guidance, I think you're just setting your kid up for failure. But so, I want to uh, blame social media. I think it's a huge culprit towards yeah. mental issue, health well, issues. Absolutely. Because I also, the construction industry, all these influencers out there, like I've seen the high-rise guys looking all cool and all dressed up perfectly and everything's all brand new, installing windows and all safety up and everything's legit, but they're, we don't know what that person's going through. No. But people watch it, young, coming into the industry going, I want to be that rock star. Yeah. But you don't know what that person's going through. Mm -hmm. oh. And well, now you try to live up to that. Yeah, there's sure. we and, don't and you can't, and then you feel like a failure. There goes the mental. So oh. that's why social is connected to this yeah. strongly. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, Gianluca. Where we could be using, no, we're uh, Where we could be using this tool, because it, it, could, it is a tool. Yes. If used properly, it's a wonderful tool mm -hmm. because the world's at your fingertips. So having said that, storytelling for our industry, I think is, well, I feel, is massively powerful yeah. to allow anybody, not only newcomers, even people that have been in this industry for 20 years, some of them don't have not seen all of the backstage of what the construction industry is all about. So if we use this tool to, to perpetuate those messages or those stories, that would be awesome. The on, sorry, real quick, on the, sh on the parenting, um, I concur, uh, um, even reluctantly on the laziness. Uh, however, we live in, in, a, uh, in a continent that is North America that I describe it, the analogy I use is we live on a treadmill that never stops. It is very demanding. 
As a matter of fact, the story I'll share with you to, to tie this up is in 2014, my cousin, Elisabetta, came to, to visit me for the second time in Canada. She spent two weeks and asked me when, when it was time to, to leave, you know, are you going to drop me off at, at, at the airport? I said, yes. So we're driving, and all of a sudden, when we got on the 401, she, she saw there was an opportunity to speak to me. She lowered the volume, and she turned her back to, towards the door. She looked at me in the face. She says, you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> out, out of nowhere, in Italian, mind you. And I said, unpack that for me. He says, you don't stop. I said, I've been watching you for two weeks. You just don't stop. You don't even stop for lunch. You don't stop to, to, to s smell the, the roses as crazy. She meant Cornism you guys like us Canadians. Everything. She had my, yeah, no, <laughs> Canadians. Yeah. But it's Canadians. Yeah. What's the Italian Can saying in the afternoon? What do you guys say? There's that saying? Uh, you're supposed to take a break or something like that? What's it? Um, there's an Italian saying. It's not like a siesta. Because no, not a siesta. Like there's a phrase. It's about taking a break and understanding and appreciating what you have. And Italians do it all the time, right? I don't no, know. I'm not I don't Italian, know what you're talking about, but I, I fucking love it. it. I, <laughs> I love the idea. Because the idea is just like stop. They and just appreciate what you for, have. No, totally. They break for two anywhere from two and a half to three hours. Which is yeah, what yeah, we should, should be. They probably get more done than we do. <laughs> yeah, because oh, you imagine. Let's not go with that far. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Construction wise. Okay, okay, so forget. No. Wait, can we edit that out? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I just wanted to share that. And quickly to Angelo, you said, uh, you shared a stat earlier that uh, by the age of 40, and I'm paraphrasing now, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, that 50% of, of, of people that by the age of 40 would have experienced uh, mental Some health. Some form of mental illness, yeah. Yeah, mental illness. The average age right now in Canada is 40.6. So mm. does that mean that 50% of our population is... is uh, mm. Yes. <laughs> I would say yes. I would, be, I would go so far as to say it's probably higher than that. And I'm with you. Like it's yeah. Everybody, like we said, everybody has their issues. So it's on a continuum of what you know, the mental health challenges are. And I think everybody's struggling. Everybody. Yeah. It's just how well are you equipped manage it and, and do you have the resources available to you mm. yeah do you know what to do look i can tell you i have the pleasure of coaching u18 athletes right at a, at a local league hockey level and the stuff that these athletes are dealing with in life mm. for them is a big deal for us i mean we've experienced a little bit more so maybe it's a big deal maybe it's a medium-sized it doesn't matter but it's again checking in it's it's equipping them it's having these conversations so that they don't become part of these numbers I think it starts way younger, well, way, way I'm younger. I'm just trying to think of what decade in Canada or in construction would have been a good decade. What's good defined? In, good well, in I what mean, sense, like yeah. good work, productivity, leadership, like when oh. things were good. Oh, well, 19, let's remove 19, leadership. Uh, yeah. For productivity, <laughs> 70s was like Probably motoring. 80s. And, yeah. and you never had a problem with labor force because if one didn't work out, there was a lineup on the sidewalk mm. of yeah. people. And safety? So what Manny, safety? You're gone. There's probably another 15 waiting for your job. Yeah. But safety was in there. Yeah. Leadership, meh. You know? I think the productivity, it, rock and it roll. Was, it was back to what you were saying is, you know, appreciating having a job. So yeah. people worked. Well, here, here's a question I, for... There's, a miss, there's missing some of that. Yeah. yeah. And I think the whole leadership thing is that the people of those days responded well to the leadership style right the people have changed the leadership style has not that's mm -hmm. where we are right mm -hmm. so here in kind of on that theme too and what we were saying before is a question for you guys what changed at whatever decade it happened because i know myself all the friends i have everybody i talk to everybody's got some sort of depression or anxiety or whether it's diagnosable or not whatever 
But it doesn't seem that that stuff existed in previous generations. So did it exist, but it wasn't labeled mm -hmm. and people didn't know what it was? Or did something change? Are we just a bunch of wussies? Like <laughs> what, uh, did the environment change? Like... You're a bunch of wussies. We're a bunch You're of wussies, aren't you? I'm out of here. Excuse me. I don't, it's hard to say that it was always there. I think it was just a different mindset. There's too much shit going on in the world these days. Distractions are, we've talked yeah, about Yeah, like massive amount of distractions. Like, I would not want to be a, one, a, a kid today. Yeah. Like I, I was like, unfortunately, I was walking around and where was I? A mall or something like that? Every kid's head was down. Mm. Yeah. Every kid's head was down. Phone on a phone. Yeah. yeah. Nobody was looking forward. Yeah. Or up. Yeah. You're not really living in the moment. So I think back then, those weren't the problems. The problems were, when's my next job going to start? Mm. I need to finish this job and yeah. achieve it, get paid, now contribute to my bills, contribute to my family. Those yeah. were the problems. That's a good point. And they solved them. There, they now didn't have all these other distractions. There so. is distractions 24-7. I mean, I don't watch the news. I know it's come up before, too. You don't I've watch never watch the But the news. times if I'm at the gym or I'm at a restaurant, CP24 is on or whatever. I hate it. And the ticker, it's like... You I can't, can't you can't it. stop looking because it's like what what other horrible shit is happening? You got to show me more. <laughs> but that's and you're constantly bombarded by this stuff, and it's yeah, totally. Even less than that, when we've talked about this in the past, is the connectability, right? There was a period of time where you, if if you were out of the office, somebody left a message, a physical mm -hmm. paper message to say, "Call me." It would take 24 hours to respond or whatever it took. Right now, the distractions that we live in an instantaneous society. Many, I text you. Many, I, I, I emailed you. Did you did you get back to me? No, man. Like, I'm, I'm doing my shit right now. Mm -hmm. Fuck off. Leave me alone. It's the distraction. This is the expectation. Like, if we don't get that reply back within seconds, we start to, We like, want that dopamine. Hey, we, I said we, that yeah. to you. Did you get yeah, that? Yeah, we go from, like, you're a dick, and then to, to like, I'm on your stoop, going to kill you now. Like, because you haven't replied back to me. Mm -hmm. like, it's that's been 12 stupid. minutes. Why didn't mm -hmm. you it's respond? Just been like, stupid. And then they take it personally. Yeah. What did I do? Are they angry at me? Make it worse. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the dots yeah. continue. Well, right? that's anxiety, man. Your brain just fills in the dots with part of it. Part of the reasons I feel that it's being taken personally and that uh, people are always chasing the next answers because nobody seems to be to be willing uh, to pick up the phone and actually have conversations on the phone. Mm. And now with with video, be it FaceTime or Zoom or all it's these accountability. Other Sorry, it's accountability. There is none. You say something that came across wrong. Oh, we're just. Then we're, I got to address that. We're conditioned now to hide behind a computer. So mm -hmm. how do things change, right? When you intentionally. Be aware, not to cause unintentional upset. Wipe the slate clean, and nobody's you allowed to use smartphones. You keep saying that, and honestly, I gotta tell you, the thing that goes <laughs> to my mind flip is, 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 is okay. uh, it's is, not um, the solution. What was, was the Marvel movie where, where, where Thanos, right, snaps his fingers, and the oh. whole world mm -hmm. goes? Did it solve anything? Solution. You're gonna have a right? far worse construction yeah. industry if you do that. Yeah, it, it, it didn't solve. You need it. both to meet in the middle. So, so rather than say wipe the slate clean, how about I ask you a question? And and I heard this uh, asked of me a couple of weeks ago. Um, the industry is what it is. You're just going to have to learn to work with it. I hate that. Yeah. That is, it is what it is. <laughs> that's bullshit. the problem. I hate that. That's this, the problem. And, and while we're at it, even, even as it relates to our governments, the three level, it's just the way they operate. That's how they write policy. You won't ever change policy. If anything, it's going to get, it's going to get more complicated. So you just got to learn how to maneuver around things. It's kind of the one in the same. That's where I go back to the immigrant coming in here and they set up their own shop and they grow their own shop. They don't go with what is the typical. The construction industry is very isolated. As a matter of fact, we work under extreme stresses on the daily. Our industry takes a lot, 
but it gives very little in return to our people. And I find that a crying shame. It's also among the many reasons why I founded the Constructors Guild, a community for those who build them. So if you're a construction professional looking to surround yourself with like-minded people, people that share some of the same core values, you're willing to put yourself in first position, you're supportive and generous with your wisdom, and possess a thirst for knowledge, this might be the right group for you. Connect with me on LinkedIn or check us out at constructorsguild.com. I was, I was interviewed recently and they asked me, um, how do I integrate myself into the industry? And I had a really hard time with that. I was like, just the thought of integrating myself into the industry was just like, oh, it's not something. It insinuates that you don't belong. It, well, that, that, <laughs> that was part of the conversation was just as women in the construction mm. industry. Um, I've always, I would rather work to change the industry than allow myself to integrate into it because to me that is condoning the way it exists. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back to your point where, you know, it's, I would rather change it and work to change it than just be okay with it or accept that we can't change no, it. Yeah, like I just, you can't, yeah. So yeah. who's changed the industry? Me. In construction. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. That was aggressive. That's awesome. That was, that was great. <laughs> well, well, that's what I'm saying. That's why we're here, right? I didn't get a ticket from Actual Vancouver right? for a day to be here but just to hang out with you guys, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I'm going to be doing everything that I can to make the changes with, you know, with regards to mental health. It's a huge issue in our industry, as we've stated in many of the episodes previous. And the leadership, I think, is the source of the solutions. And I will mm -hmm. continue to do whatever I can to speak to the leadership level to help people be educated as to this will help your bottom line. This is going to make your business better. It is not going to cost you money mm -hmm. to invest in your people. It's an investment. It's going to cost money up front, but you're going to get But is it sad term. that we have to sell ourselves on the idea of getting better human beings? It is. It is because sad. it's associated with a dollar value. And at the value? same time, if you can just say... I'm willing to do that because it's a way. It's what we need to do to move forward. Yeah. So I can sit and go, oh, why do we have to do this? That doesn't come up with solutions. No. I shouldn't have to do this. No, I shouldn't. And mm -hmm. maybe that was the lesson that I learned, you know, 20 plus years ago when I shouldn't have to coddle you or appreciate you. And then when I realized that's actually what I need to do to move forward and to be better, then why don't we do that? You know, mm -hmm. and say, well, you know, that's a tough word for me, the word should, because I always mm -hmm. say, what if you inject the word could? You know, I mm. could spend time connecting with you. I could invest in the people, right? It changes things. Mm. So, I mean, things, you brought yeah. up some very actionable items. Here's what we could be doing to shift the industry. I know you had some different ideas. Maybe we start dropping a couple of different ideas and, and throw them around mm. and see what sticks. Sure. Yeah. No, but I just want to agree with you on one point there because, like, what, what I've uh, experienced through, like, LinkedIn and Instagram, too, it seems like most people think the same way that we in this room do at the worker level. But the right. people who have the leverage to make the changes, like you're saying leadership that can actually provide the solutions, they're either like not hearing it or they don't care. I don't want to say they don't care because they're probably decent people. Maybe they're just uh, uh, oblivious to it. I don't know. They think you can't be like, oblivious to it. Is it, is it is no let's way. say the word is greed. Right? Yeah, you yeah. can't be oblivious yeah. to it. Yeah. That word. It's there. I think you can walk on any job site and I think if you were to... People watching is a good example. Mm. If you were to people watch tradespeople, you will be able to pick out 
a few that have a few issues going on mm -hmm. at any given job site. Well, I think there's a lot of that in our industry. Everybody's a spectator. Nobody's a participant. Mm -hmm. goes back to that. I didn't see it. I'm walking so away from it. It's, it's safe to say that the, the, the five of us sitting around this table, six with Angelina, <laughs> I'm sure, because we need her help to, to get this done. Um, we're all committed to bringing change to an industry that is broken and antiquated. But how do we individually feel we're faring with that gargantuan task? And is there anything that we could be doing differently in order to gain steam? Can't we write a memo and send it to every single company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah does the medicine it worked for jerry Maguire. he lost everything but he worked for the jerry <laughs> Maguire. he got the girl in the end it worked it didn't work in a movie <laughs> what about a music box where a hand actually comes out and slaps him right that would be a head. great idea <laughs> i think it should start by listen here fuckheads <laughs> no attention. no so here's an actionable thing and you kind of touched on it before and we didn't use the exact words and i know you we talked about this before too psychological safety okay mm. to me Health is health. Health and safety includes mental health. And we addressed this on one of the last shows was, unfortunately, at this point, I think you need to include mental with the word health. Mm -hmm. yeah. Health and safety should encompass somebody's total well-being, which includes the mental aspect and the physical aspect. So how do you, uh, how do you foster that culture of psychological safety? You, you talked about some points, like just checking in with people, making them feel safe, providing an, a safe outlet for them to talk about how they're actually doing. How do you do that? By actually showing that you care about them. Like we've talked about this a bunch of times. The automatic uh, thing you do when you walk into a room, hey, Corley, how's it going? Mm. Then what do you say? Fine. Exactly. Or good, how are good. you? Good. Yeah. But is that, are you actually fine? Yeah. Not right now. I'm sure you're <laughs> fine now because we're having a good time. But you know what I mean? Like peeling back that layer and letting somebody know, like it's okay to let me know if things are struggling. I'm here for you. And they might be perfectly fine or something might happen three months later and they're like, oh, I remember I had this conversation with Jonathan. I'm going to call him and, and like, you know what I mean? And I think that will uh, contribute to a stronger workforce, more productive people, more healthier people, psychological safety. And like no different, sorry, I keep going on here. No mm. different than like a safety moment. You do a toolbox talk. This is a task we're working on today. These are the hazards, slips, trips and falls, wear your glasses, tie off a thing, whatever. Like, talk about mental safety. But how much is that workforce actually engaging during that toolbox talk? They're not, but it's still planting a seed. Even if they're not 100% engaged, having a safety moment Do you remember all the airplane safety requirements? I do, yes. In the event of? <laughs> In the unlikely event. No, I think event it was like this. Was oh, it an unlikely <laughs> event? There's six exits. Marianne, who's on the show the, on the Plumber's Roundtable, I think she's... At Lady Plumber underscore or something. I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. she's yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. Lady Plumber. Lady Plumber. Yeah, she's, yeah, so uh, she's she did a Vancouver really interesting Island. post this week where she was talking about how um, she went to go see a client of hers and they weren't answering the door. You saw that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The and then she did another follow up post yeah. because it was a three, four days and then she actually called the police and it was uh, what, uh, calling the police to let them know. Uh, welfare check. It's, yeah, to go have the wellness a well, check. A wellness, a wellness, wellness check. check. Wellness, wellness welfare check. check, yeah. So then she expanded it. She just said, and uh, she did a follow-up post, and, and I love this. It was amazing. And she just said, we should be wellness checking a lot of people in this industry. Mm -hmm. because she was going on a client because she knew about this client, but she wasn't hearing back mm -hmm. from her. And then she th started thinking, well, hang on, there's lots of tradespeople that we don't stay in touch with, right? And it's really, I mean, it's been great that a lot of people on the show here, I somehow get connected with them and then their birthdays come up and then I get the notification through. That's the one good thing about smartphone. Then I just, I'll send a nice little happy birthday. How's it going, Rockstar? And that's it, right? And they're like, oh, thanks so much, Manny. But that's just like a little subtle, subtle wellness check mm -hmm. that does help tradespeople, I think, right? Totally.
can't do mine because my birthday online is completely a lie on every single platform. Is it? Which so one? I get birthdays all different. What is it? What is it? I'm not telling. It's February, <laughs> February 29th. I'll get notifications in every single month but the month, February okay? February 30th. Yeah. Um, Angela brings up a great, a great point as, as it relates to reimagining the health and health and safety. You know, having it include and embody wellness. I feel that if I were to look at, at the industry, I feel that it'd probably be split in two buckets. The ones that will... Um, make fun of it at the beginning, mm. uh, but with slow and persistent drips, they will come around. And then the other bucket would be the ones that will go, they'll be looking around as if they're on candid camera and go, I can't believe this is real. This is exactly what I feel. Yeah, you're going to say we need it. Yeah, this is in a, 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 a reaction of, <laughs> of, of amazement and, yeah. of, and of gratefulness. I feel those, those are the two buckets. And even though one will push back at the beginning, um, I'm 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 an eternal optimist that they'll come around and, and embrace it. Maybe not everybody. You know, we got to be uh, realistic. Not this is not going to be for everybody. But, but I've, I'm fairly certain that there a vast majority of them will come around sooner or later. A perfect example. A I'm going to do a demonstration here for you guys. But you ever seen sites where they mandate stretching? Yeah. There's a bunch of posts on site, and it's people mocking it. But it's, you know, it's a bunch of guys doing this. Yeah. This is up your hips or whatever. But that is proven to reduce. Musculoskeletal, did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Injuries, strains, mm -hmm. pulls, mm -hmm. and then reduces. So, so what? A couple guys mock it. It's going to be the same with mental health. If you take a moment to do a wellness well, check well, and mindfulness or whatever. It. Yeah. And it's not for them. You know, it's for the people who aren't going exactly. to mock it. I think the majority of people are going to benefit from it. So. Yeah, I would even say, like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mock it. Somebody's going to resonate towards it and go, oh, yeah. oh that's cool. Maybe they're onto something. Did you like my demo? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. I want to ask you guys because I've never been on the high rise on the, the, the bigger uh, projects. How often do you guys see leadership come down onto the job site and start checking things out? When never, right? That's when something bad happens. happens. Only if something terrible, which is generally Usually, a death. So when you see, uh, in my experience, if you see a VP or a director come in, you're like, holy fuck, what happened? Like mm. some. Like it might, it was Shouldn't me? they, like, that's on the memo now. We should include that, where they should be making more site visits and just checking in and saying hello to people, right? Mm. Why not just do that, like, that show is like undercover boss man like go and work a day i love it right? i love oh, it man, holy shit fantastic. man i don't know I, listen i've lived it i've done it i've, I've they've earned their stripes they've done yeah. their it doesn't right. matter I you, you forget pretty quickly it drags on the floor good for you well done but i have a different philosophy it's really different Ima imagine if there was I, i'm so grateful you brought that up because i thought about it myself and i i completely forgot about it so thank you for bringing that up but imagine if there was a program like that where uh, upper like management or or c-suite executives would actually spend time on site be it one day a three-day stint and actually work be the worker mm -hmm. not be re recognized as the vice president or ceo or or whatever you know other what's funny is that the workforce wouldn't even recognize them and, and and the other thing if they I, were in ppe and workwear they wouldn't recognize yeah them. and the, yeah. the other one that i would like to see another part of this uh, undercover uh, uh, type type show for our industry is actually get our clients to, to strap on the same equipment and go oh, into the yeah. trenches. Like, I know, but no, 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 no. I just sorry, see this, a this, stack this of accident because, reports, man. Because <laughs> this, this, you know, and I'll bring this up. I want to be there when it happens. By the way, I had some really heated discussions in a past version of myself with some executives, especially during the COVID eras, where it was like they were armoring up, and I was like, "Listen, man, I'll meet you down on site. If you want to meet me on site, and it's cool for you." 
No problem. We'll ad- and then you know what happened? All of a sudden, they back off. Nobody said shit. They stayed yeah. in within their offices, and I was like, "Thank you." Then let us do our job and shut the hell up, because that's the whole point. It's like it's really easy from a cubicle to tell you what I think you should be doing. There's that word again. I think you should be doing because it works for me. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. That, that, that actually, if they use the word should, is actually the, because they've thought about it, uh, maybe minutely, but they actually thought about it a little. There's other, the majority, I feel, of clients have not taken it that far. They're just barking orders as if they don't, you know. Do it this way. Yeah. 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 Did you say COVID errors? Did I miss? No, yeah. right. or like, I thought era. there was only one. Okay. No, during the COVID era. I just want to make yeah, sure. There was there was I only want to make sure there was one. As, uh, unless I slept yeah, yeah, yeah. through For something. Yeah. 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 Unfortunate <laughs> conversations happen. Think but these are all great ideas. And I think if, if upper management started implementing them, it would actually be helping the industry, no? I don't think it's that hard here. Sorry. So here, here's another one. Like, because uh, we listed out some stuff. So stuff employers can do. Like provide mental health training. I know you recently Isn't took mental health first aid. I don't know. Or is it not? I'm sorry? Mandatory is it becoming mandatory? I don't think it's mandatory. It's not mandatory, no. It should be. It, everybody should be, so you you need to know what you can and what you can't do so part of this is like education everybody should be able to spot at least in leadership positions should be able to spot somebody in a crisis or somebody having a difficult time because there's things you look for uh, oftentimes oh you know jonathan he was doing greatest performance dropped if i can get rid of him yeah but something might have happened your dad parent might have died your wife might have left you i always use that example i don't know why but uh you know, stuff happens. So, so that's what you can do. You can learn how to spot the signs. What you can't do is a lot of people aren't licensed professionals to deal with stuff. And I've been guilty of it too. So and there pe- should be training. On, exactly. But you can act as the bridge to get that help. Because if somebody comes to you and says, look, Manny, you know, I've, I've had some suicidal thoughts. What are you going to do with that? Oh, it's okay, man. It'll get better. Like, oh, go see therapy. But maybe they're on their way to do it right then. Like, you need to know how to deal with these situations, how to connect those people with the right resources. First of all, what resources are out there? Do people know? Last time we talked to a KMH, the crisis hotline, 988, call or text 24-7. They'll put you in touch with somebody. So, yeah. If it yeah, gets but most crazy people are not going to say I'm thinking suicide. Yeah, if it gets thoughts. to that point, we, you know, we, we've also it's, missed some opportunities yeah. too. Yeah, that's okay. That's an extreme example. Right. But uh, No, but you're right though. How are you supposed to react to that? Like, yeah. Uh, even as you said it, I was started thinking, how am I supposed to react and to that? I would have no and, idea. And it, it would seem that with anything that, that we've tackled as an industry, the biggest traction or, or, or the ones that stand to gain the, the most benefits from any uh, of these types of, of endeavors are the bigger companies. Hence the reason why I feel these things as it relates to mental health treatments or, or just knowledge needs to be open sourced. So it needs to be available through construction associations, through the unions, if that if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Just open source so that somebody can go there, download and have their policy and procedure already most of it if not the majority enough to be able to to implement it and if one chooses a company chooses to do more for it then they can but at the very least they've got a benchmark mm-hmm. that's what i mean by, by open i don't know you know my mind went to ibw because i was an ibw member at one point in time and i think about it i'm like i don't even know if ibw has an eap hotline for all the all the brothers and sisters out there to say hey call here i don't know but it's even that so wait why can't the construction company have a hotline 
Well, they don't. They they outsource. They it. have EAPs. The EAPs that's they'll, what, uh, they'll go to but, the but, insurance company. But even that, that, how many people in a company know what an EAP is and what it does and what's available to you? I don't. I didn't <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, they I didn't don't know how to treat mental health. Quite, quite frankly, know. I don't think they, they but, know what an EAP is. But that's the thing. Is. When you ask companies, well, what are you guys doing to address mental health? Oh, we have an EAP program. It's but a that's not addressing. That's for band aid. Well, we actually. It's a band aid. It's a reaction. The employer, the one employer that I worked for. Sorry to interrupt. But just I was going to say the one employer that I did work for before becoming self-employed. They actually had um, magnets all over the office. It was an EAP Mm. magnet with a number. So I mean, and this was twenty, a lot of years ago. Twenty, almost twenty years Mm. ago, and they would have. Yeah, a magnet on filing cabinets, wherever it was magnetic, where you could see the number was yeah. visible. So there was awareness, at least. They list yeah. What, uh, I was very fortunate with the employer that I had. It list what the service provides or, like, who to call. Like yeah. I, Go ahead. No, no, I've used the AP programs in the past, mm-hmm. like, for different things. Mm-hmm. So, personally, I know it wasn't super helpful because they were just, like, they're just basically triaging, saying, is this guy mm-hmm. about to kill himself or is it, like, something I can yeah. refer to somebody else? So it's it's a very band-aid approach. It's better than nothing, don't get me wrong. But it was that sorry, the number was everywhere, but was there the there awareness? There was like point that form. It was okay. point form. It, you know, oh, if these are things. It was only like a small magnet that they would have, but it level. was yeah. yeah. Cool. Why is it even a question if someone comes up to you and you you're getting the sense that there might be suicidal and you're questioning is this for real or is mm. this just a joke or how do I handle this? Why is it even a question that this may not be truth? I think the surprise of it all, because people don't know how to deal with it. But the, look at the numbers. Are, are we not, as a workforce, being told? Like, are we not paying attention to our own? But we Google always think it's and? happening to somebody else. It doesn't actually hit that close to home mm-hmm. until it does. Until it mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Do, well, I just want to rewind. Are we not, as, as an industry, do we not know what the numbers are? I, I Probably not. No. Like, my quick, quick answer is no, we don't. Yeah, yeah no, I think to your point, it, it's... It should be treated as, especially if a suicide is involved or personal harm, like self-harm. That's like, at that point, you don't know if the person is joking or not. Like, it should be treated seriously. Mm. It's like if somebody comes to work with a gun and says, I'm going to shoot somebody. Yeah. Are you like, ah, I think, he, I think he's bluffing. Yeah. He's not actually going to, or are you going to call the cops? You know what I mean? It's You don't want to take the risk of assuming the wrong thing. Yeah. 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 But I think what it comes down to is people don't know what to do in that situation. Most people, I think, are inherently good and want to help. But when you're faced with heavy shit like that, I think a lot of people don't know what to do. So you either fight, flight, or free, or, or uh, what is it? Freeze. freeze. Yeah. And you, you get paralyzed and you, you're kind of helpless. That's why it's important to train people and how to. I want to go back to the ages there where it's like, was it happening back in the 70s and 80s? And I, I get the sense that it might have been happening to older tradespeople. And I think that the stuff is happening to the much younger tradespeople now because of the amount of distractions that are going sure. on today. So you might get a 20-something-year-old tradesperson coming into the industry experiencing what the 40-something tradesperson was experiencing 30, 40, 50-plus years ago. Mm. But it wasn't also noted back then because talk about how today we're having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Definitely back then, there was no way there was a a horse's head in the bed at that point. Like That's not what you're sharing, right? Mm -hmm. So don't talk about that. But today we're just trying to make it a conversation. I I think it's always been around. Um, Yeah. in, In... in the last 10 years, I have invested heavily in time, effort, and money in just becoming, constantly optimizing myself. And, you know, the, to paraphrase it, doing the work. I continue to do the work. It's something that I've embraced as a lifestyle now. I never want to get off this bandwagon. But having said that, it's allowed me the, the hindsight or the clarity to turn back and look at 
my life and see not only myself where I struggled throughout my, my uh, youth, adolescence, and, and early adulthood up, up to present time, but also the people that I've worked with throughout and go, holy shit, they were actually going through something at yeah. that time as well. You know, and, and not to discount even my parents. I look back now at certain times throughout my childhood, and I specifically I'm going to come out in, in, with an example with my father because he was, ironically, construction uh, business owner, and now there's little bits, almost as if as if it was, uh, what, would, what would it be back then? Probably beta and not VHS. That I'm, that's being replayed, and I'm going, oh my god, he was actually going through something back then, and you know, obviously I didn't know I was young, but. The ability of, of noticing it. All of that to say, it's always been around. It's probably just exasperated now with social media, not to, to beat on it, but with how the news is, is, is just propagandizing fear um, uh, to, uh, on people and, and, and adding to the divisiveness. It's making the mental illness a lot more difficult and a lot more prevalent, but mental illness has always been around. Yep. I think it's just been mas masquerading or, or camouflaging. But here's even the better part is that if you do meet somebody that went through it and survived it, you should be inquiring how they did that. White knuckle mm -hmm. is more than likely the, the way they're going to tell you. Yeah? Yeah, because think about it. What tools did they have? They had nothing. If, if anything, again, to pull back in social media, thank God for social media as a tool that, that's opened my world to being able to, to attend you know, uh, I did all of Tony, 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 humble brag, but nevertheless, I did all of Tony Robbins courses. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't for the internet, I would have never known for, of Tony Robbins. Mind you, I knew about him uh, back in, in, in university, so that would have been just pre-internet. Uh, um, but things like that, it's thanks to the internet that you come across uh, different tools, different providers, different facilitators to be able to skill stack. I think uh, you mentioned it before too, and I'll piggyback on what you were saying sure. and, and the power, the good side of the internet. You, you talked about storytelling before and like storytelling is like one of the most powerful ways to connect with people because they get, especially if it's a person, you have a personal connection, you're telling it first person because they're able to kind of live that experience with you. And what's really powerful, especially with this mental health is sharing stories and hearing, like I told my story a couple of times. I know you've had, everybody's had struggles. But when you he hear people tell these things and you normalize the conversations, that's another actionable step that anybody can take. You normalize these things by just talking about it. You might think, oh, well, it's just words. But you're fostering that mm -hmm. environment and you're creating space for somebody else to, to not even say, but acknowledge, be like, holy shit, Angelo went through that too. Yep. And especially when you hear those messages from a senior leadership, say your president comes out and says, oh, you know, I, ha I experienced a panic attack here. People are going to be like, Wow, this guy expressed mm -hmm. vulnerability. I had a panic attack too. I'm not that different than I, the president of the company. I've experienced it two ways. I've experienced the, I'm not going to say it's euphoric, but it's definitely... Uh, um, um, Orgasmic? No. Okay. <laughs> it, bring, it brings me happiness when, I sh when I've shared some difficult moments in my life by way of storytelling. Sure. However, the flip side, there's still part of me that is deathly afraid to share anymore oh for sure i don't think i would share but i think i would guide yeah but how do you guide also, if you have so i would just something? i would just say try this but mm, right but try this based that on what though what's what's the connection no, no you're just you're offering up a conversation so you're just going to say just try this because i don't think you want to be told to how to fix your problem no. i think you, you, you want to listen to possible solutions that yeah. might fit your problem well, a lot of times too that, that was one thing on here was li listen empathetically because some people might 
want to come. And I remember, I think it was Brene Brown or something said like, when people come to you with stuff, you ask a question. You say, do you want uh, do you want advice or do you want support? Yeah, you want to be a sounding? Yeah. You want me to be a sounding board? You want, you want me to give and you? What's the construction industry want? Construction? I don't know. I don't know. But I know. What I do learned, you guys think? What do you I, guys? Oh, the think? construction industry is. I'm going to give you the answer. But I don't want the answer right now. I just want you to listen. The right construction now. industry will give you advice because we're very solutions oriented people. I took engineering. I went into construction. I like solving problems. And I learned this from my wife because she would come to me with a problem and I would fix it yeah. in my mind. And then she'd get mad and be like, what the fuck? That was a good idea. <laughs> and then she'd come to me with another problem and I would fix it or offer up a solution no. or offer up two or three solutions. Like, look, babe, here's some options. So what's, but, the, what's the takeaway here is that you just stay quiet and listen? Well, so if some, some people yeah. want advice... So that's why you asked. Do you want who? advice or support? How do we assess that? You I, I, with my daughters, because it's a, very, it's a very female thing where we just need to talk. We don't necessarily need to have a solution. I'm a solutions person. Mm. So when, I, when my kids come to me and talk to me about their, I, I say, okay, do you want me to listen or do you want me to provide some feedback yeah. so that they can make that choice? And mm. I'm not assuming that this is what they need. And that can go for any relationship. It's a good way to I'm with you. It. I, 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 I totally, have the yeah. exact same philosophy. I asked, do you want me to be a sounding board right now or are you looking for a solution? Do you know how you want to solve this and you want me to pivot through that with you? If you ask questions, I don't want to, you know, most times people know what they want to do. And if they don't, you just have to guide them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Help them help them realize it and have the insight for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And pay, Curio- pay, curiosity and helps with curiosity. that. Curiosity. Curiosity is to, you know, to the insights. But you got to be, you got to, have a willingness to become curious without mm. providing your unsolicited mm. thoughts. Cause it's really easy to say, okay, here, right. Okay, here. Okay, and, here. And do, doing that too, it almost diminishes the other person's experience. you kind of trivialize it. Right. And it doesn't, mm. it doesn't, you're not able to provide that space and make that connection. Like if somebody says, Oh, you know, I've really been struggling with this. Oh, that's easy. Just do this. Yeah. It's like, well, fuck. I guess I'm an idiot then because I didn't know what but to do. But that's degrees. There's, there's so you there's get a, someone a, that's older that's gone through it, yeah. and they look at what you have as a problem. They're like, that's fuck all. Guys, right. You know, there's this is exactly a, this is a huge one for me. It's, this touches touches a lot. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this up. Yeah. I, I had some real life instances, and even just there's so many. But even with my son, I'll keep it super succinct. He was uh, seven at the time, so it was three years ago, and I'm cutting vegetables on the counter, and he comes armored up. Um, it, it takes a lot to share this, right? He's just like, Dad, sometimes I feel like we're not connected, right? And I'm just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Initially, you know what I said? Like, my mind's like, fuck you. What's your problem? Mm-hmm. I, I spent my entire life here for you, right? And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I just, I just, but my blood was boiling. And, um, you, you know, I looked at him and I go, okay. And he's like, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, sometimes I feel like, like, you know, you're not part of this family. I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I had clinched this butcher knife right now. And if I was on a, you know, I just wanted to punch somebody. But instead, I just, you know, I went around and uh, we're at the center island. And I went around and put my hand on his shoulder. I'm like, it sounds like you're going through a lot right now. And the next three words came out. My changed everything. It was like, tell me more. When you say tell me more, holy shit. I got to tell you, I'm not going to go through the whole story because um, respecting everybody's time. Except that from there, we, we collapsed to our knees. I'm sitting with him, hands in front. And, and, and you know what his initial response was? I don't want to tell you. I was like, whoa. Mm. He's like, because you're just going to tell me what to do. I'm like, no. I said, listen, I'm here for you. I promise. This is say, whatever you say right now, I'm here to listen. Mm. And like, what happened after that? I'll never forget. It, was, it, 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 went from, it went from 
we're not connected, you're not part of this family, to now sit on the, on the floor with him. He's going, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not good enough. Hmm. Holy shit. Hmm. Am I ever, as a parent, it's the hardest thing to ever hear. You never saw any of that coming? Never saw it, right? Hmm. And initially, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm thinking, like, what does it even mean from a seven-year-old? But gave him the space. And I'm like, okay. And again, tell me more. Tell me, and a, a, a little bit different framework around that. But to create, you know, who created the solution, he did. Because he then came back to me. He's like, I don't really want to talk about it now. How about before bed? Sure. And it got. He brought it back up at bedtime to talk about it. And you know, that stemmed from the underlying issue was he was getting bullied and didn't know how to deal with it because mm-hmm. he'd never experienced it. Mm-hmm. So all of this shit surfaces. And we see this in construction. Something down here happened to this guy showing up like an asshole on site and punched the other guy in the face. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, he told me that I used the wrong screw, so I punched him. That was ne- it was never about the damn screw. Yeah. So well, it's listen, I, there's just there's so much there. I think that when we ask the people in front of us how we can help. They know. And ask questions, become curious. That's uh, that's the word that came to mind. And thank you for sharing that. And I had to s- stop from interrupting you because I was fighting back tears myself because I have kids too. And it's that's the worst thing I can imagine. One of the worst is like you know, dealing with bullying. But the fact that your son had the self-awareness mm. and the ability to come have that conversation, that that I think that reflects on you as a, a parent too, buddy. Like you yeah. instilled that in him. So. You know, holding space, you heard, you, you used the word space. That's something that everybody, not only uh, ideally our industry uh, learns, but everybody should learn and encouraged to learn is to hold space and, and the power that lies behind uh, being heard and understood. If, if only those two things, there's so much goodness that comes through that. I think that's a good point too. It's like seeking to understand because yeah. we're all walking around with our own armor and dealing with our own shit. And a lot of times we don't take the time to interact. Like you thought everything was perfectly fine with your son. And he had, so you had this expectation, everything's fine. And he had this expectation of you that, oh, you're not around, you're not there for me, blah, blah, blah. When really both of you were wrong. <laughs> so when you opened up that conversation and allowed that, those barriers to disappear, and those spheres to kind of cross, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. I think that's just general connection with, with people in between uh, humans. We're getting really weird here, guys. I have a very good, I'm, I'm buzzing. <laughs> this, this is, is it. It's about, it's about What are you pumping right? into this room, Manny? I'm not pumping into this <laughs> There might be something in the light. Uh, we're getting close to wrapping up. Uh, any final thoughts here everybody want to share? I think it's been another great conversation. I think a lot of things have come up, which has been amazing. And I definitely still believe, even though we're not hearing from a lot of people, that uh, it is making a difference. I don't, like I was telling you before we got on the mic there, that it just we keep on doing it. Simple as that. I just want to encourage people to, if they're, if they're willing, I want to encourage them to reach out, be it through, directly through the podcast, whether it's on uh, the, whatever platform, including YouTube or uh, us individually. I want to encourage everybody to, to reach out and share. What else could we be doing? What else could we be thinking about? Is there something we're missing? Because as much as I want to say that we all have great ideas, which we do, uh, we're human as well. And uh, I appreciate, I would appreciate uh, whatever help that can come our way. 
the biggest thing for me is uh, and the stuff i'm doing is it's just validating people's experiences and a lot of it i found connected with people at the worker level who feel like they might have not have a voice or a place to talk about stuff like this so hearing these conversations even if you're not getting feedback it's it's having a huge impact on people because we've talked about it before when i post about mental health always at least one message saying thanks you know i was i've been dealing with stuff right have dealt with stuff in the past and I didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And that comes back to normalizing. That's the first step, having the conversations and normalizing. You can't find solutions or make forward progress until we get through this awareness piece. So thank you for providing the venue for that. I think my, my uh, last thought to take away is much of what we talked about, stay curious. Stay curious about what's really going mm -hmm. on and dig for the gold there because a lot will show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that... Um, Everybody's suffering and everybody feels alone. And it takes being brave and courageous to reach out, to say that you're not okay. And I think that when we can provide the space at any level, as a colleague, as a direct uh, report, whatever it happens to be, when we can provide that space for people to say they're not okay, you know, maybe that's a... That's a starting point. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of the, if you actually gave everybody on a job site the freedom to share without being identified, mm. I think every single person has a problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I did a presentation um, almost a year ago on um, mental health in the construction industry. And it was to a group of probably 25 to 30 people. And it was over Zoom. Every single one of them Private sent me PM. a message PM. saying, Private. yeah, saying thank you. Just thank you for saying this. I, it, they just could identify. They understood. They, they were there. You know, like just completely validating the point that everybody is suffering in some way. And if not them, somebody they know or is close to them. Like the sheer numbers and the I'm odds. with everybody. Yeah. I think yeah. everybody's so, got something going on. So we, won't, we don't need to answer this on this specific podcast, but if ever the con conversation afterwards and, and into the, the coming weeks how do we fix it? Like, how do we use the superpower, the unique abilities that we all have, not only the five people that are on this table, but we know other people mm -hmm. in our industry. Speaking of which, LinkedIn, there's, on, there's only 5.1% of LinkedIn that are actually using the platform for what it's meant to be. And I think Matt Graves had shot, not I think, Matt shared mm -hmm. something with me a while back that I believe he, said, he had shared with me that only 0.8% of, uh, of the construction industry is using LinkedIn. So having said that, there's not many of us. There's a lot more of us that haven't picked up either a platform or their voice, but forever, for whoever we know, how do we get everybody together in order to combine our superpowers to, make, to bring change a lot quicker than what's happening? I think the next one is we do it live and we do call in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. There's, there's, you know, hidden. It's just a voice. They don't need to reveal who they are, mm -hmm. where they work. Mm -hmm. what the position is mm -hmm. and we can discuss with these people uh, a, a dream that i have or a vision that i have is uh, and I'd, I'd be so immensely grateful and, and and proud if we did it together would be uh, a town hall with with everybody it could also be combining the call in as yeah. well yeah. for whoever's not able to come but imagine a town hall with live people in front of you mm -hmm. create a safe container where people are feel safe to be able yeah. to share we could strategically place some people within the crowd to instigate the conversation, but just to see where it goes. Good idea. Here's a little bit of positivity too, not to keep going. I know we're kind of over time. 
So Ellis Dawn, I used to work there, don't work there anymore, but they recently hired, you guys might have seen it on LinkedIn, a full-time mental health specialist okay. that is working. So I just randomly reached out and I said, hey, you know, don't expect to reply because I'm a random dude from the internet. But like, what are you guys doing? And she wrote me a detailed response about things she's working on, stuff they're looking at. They, they agree that all the EAP and naloxone kits, all that stuff's reactionary and we need to get closer to the root cause and mitigate. And I was like, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? So there's people out there doing doing work. And the only reason I share that is to maybe inspire others to know that there are resources out there. There's things you can do. You don't have to hire a person full time. They got 5,000 employees. They can sustain that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's small steps that people are doing and it's it's refreshing to uh, to see. Thank you, guys. You guys want to share your deets? Uh, we'll go with Corinne. Uh, Coralie Beattie, Thrive HQ. You can find me at thrivehq.ca. Or at Coralie Beatty on all platforms. This isn't uh, at Thrive HQ on Instagram? No. No? No. What is it on? Coralie Beatty. It's under your name. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gianluca Pascale, you can catch me on LinkedIn, uh, including construction. white people, do you want to spell it out? <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be in the show is notes. Is that Gianluca? I <laughs> <laughs> um, the Constructors Guild also has a page on LinkedIn. You can find us there. Or alternatively, you could check us out at constructorsguild.com. Thank you, Manny. Thank you. Angelo Suntrees, Human Side of Construction. I call myself a construction advocate. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing with it, but I'm having title. some fun, buddy. That's I'm having title. some fun. You're a CA. I'm a CA. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jonathan Sinelli, People First Leadership, www.jonathansinelli.com. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Thank you, everybody. Another Thank great you. show. I really appreciate you flying over the country. It's yeah, worth thanks it. Thanks very much, Brody. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. We're out of here, Angelina.